Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 24th of September 2022. This is Rod and your other readers are Jenny, Jane and Tom. Jenny has been a relief reader but will now be a permanent member of Team 2, replacing Liz. We would like to take this opportunity to thank Liz for all her work with us over many years. The editor this week is Kevin, all are members of Team 2. Our sound technician today is Jake. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhampstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headline is Farewell Ma'am. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Jenny speaking. Farewell Ma'am. There was a full colour supplement feature in this week's paper with a selection of photos from across the day's proceedings. The Queen has been laid to rest and her son, King Charles III, is now head of the monarchy. We will take a look now at some of the more unusual things that happened since the death of Her Majesty and what will change. Hello, this is Tom. The bees hear about their master. The royal beekeeper has informed the bees of Buckingham Palace that the Queen has died. John Chappell told Mail Online that he travelled to the palace and Clarence House on Friday 9th of September to deliver the news to the royal bees. Mr Chappell placed black ribbon bow ties on the hives before quietly telling them about Her Majesty and sharing the news that they have a new master, King Charles III. He said, you knock on each hive and say, the mistress is dead, but don't you go. Your master will be a good master to you. Legend has it that if you don't inform the bees about a change in master, they might stop producing as much honey. Buckingham Palace is home to five beehives, while Clarence House has two. There are thought to be about 20,000 bees in each one, although this can change each year. Hello, this is Jane. Care for the corgis. The Queen's beloved pet corgis are being rehomed by her son. Prince Andrew and his ex-wife Sarah, the Duke and Duchess of York, are keeping two of the royal pups. Mick and Sandy will go and live with the couple, who are still very good friends, at Royal Lodge in Windsor. A third pup called Candy, a cute Dutch corgi crossbreed known as a doggy, will also be given a new home, but it's not yet been revealed where. Changes to money and stamps featuring the Queen's face. Although these things will eventually have the face of King Charles III on them, that won't happen for a while. And in the meantime, people can keep using money, stamps and even their passports as usual. There are billions of UK coins and notes in use around the country, so it's simply impossible to switch them to a new kind quickly. As a result, expect to be seeing and using things with the Queen's portrait on them for many years to come. 
New designs with the King's face will need to be checked and approved by lots of people before they start to be made. One feature on new coins that is very likely is that the King will face left. That's because the Queen's portrait always faced right on coins and it's traditional to swap direction with each new monarch. One thing that can be changed more easily is the national anthem with the words switching from God save the Queen to God save the King. And the final article on this piece. Councillors pay tribute to Queen. Hertfordshire County Council held the meeting to remember Queen Elizabeth II on Friday, September the 16th at County Hall in Hertford. The chairman, leader and county councillors shared their memories of the Queen and their personal stories of meeting her. They went on to pay tribute to Her Majesty's lifetime of service given to the nation on behalf of their constituents. Councillor Richard Roberts, leader of Hertfordshire County Council, said that Thursday, September the 8th, was a real shock. He explained, I was far more emotional at the Queen's passing than I had imagined and felt that a part of our national fabric had been torn away, diminishing our nation and our country. Councillor Roberts added, It was and will be remembered as a sad day, and we won't forget where we were or what we were doing. A recording of the meeting is due to be sent to Buckingham Palace. Comedian Old Boy opens school building. Comedian Tom Allen officially opened Tring School's newest building after more than two years of construction following a £30 million investment. At the opening ceremony on Friday, September the 16th, the school students listened to Tom joke about his school days before cutting the ribbon of the Dobberson building. Sally Ambrose, head of school, addressed the school saying, it is great to say that our new Dobberson building is now complemented with the refurbished Desborough building, creating a school fit for the 21st century. CEO of Ridgeway Learning Partnership, Sue Collings, thanked the staff who had made the project possible, giving a special mention to Tring School's business director, Rod Gibbard. Rod showed our reporter, Olivia Preston, around the school and explained what this multi-million pound investment means to the students and staff. The final touches to the new 140 space car park were being completed on what was the site of Tring School's former main building. Now metres away stands a sustainable and modern school, complete with views of the Chilterns and the Ashridge Estate from the second floor. The Dobberson building, named after Andrew Dobberson, who worked as a teacher at the school for 39 years, is equipped with the latest technology, including fingerprint scanning and climate control, and has a design which aims to bring the outside in. Each of its approximately 1,550 students has a locker in the large hallways all painted in specific colours, which allows the children to navigate their way around the large new building. In 2014, Rod was behind a bid to secure funding to demolish the outdated building and wait, make way for state-of-the-art teaching facilities that benefited both the students and staff. Rod said, 
We wanted to take the school and its design from good to great and then from great to exceptional. In March 2020, as the UK went into its first coronavirus lockdown, builders were on site and began to take down Tring School. Now, two years later, Desborough Hall, a building which was not demolished, has been painted to look like the new part of the school and was refurbished to the same standards as Dobberson. The school is centred around the dining hall, arguably the heart of the school where all children can meet and eat. Technology and innovation were at the centre of the project, which saw £250,000 spent on interactive touchscreens and whiteboards to ensure seamless movement from one classroom to another. A brand new kiln and enlarged sports hall are some of the new facilities that Tring School pupils can make full use of. Using the school's own money, the new building also includes a space for dedicated pastoral care with a full-time counsellor and chaplain to assist the children. This was something that Tring School wanted to include to help to ensure that no child slipped under their radar. Rod explained, we want to educate the whole child mentally, physically and emotionally. Despite major setbacks with the pandemic, Brexit issues and the HGV driver strikes, the school is complete with only a small section of the car park to be finished in the coming weeks. Following the ceremony, which heard applause and a roar when Tom finally cut the maroon ribbon, Andrew Dobberson, the building's namesake, said, It's a beautiful building. It fits everything we've ever wanted. The retired teacher reflected on his time at the school and working on the eight-year project, saying, Will I miss it? Yes. Tring School Reminder Following on from this article, DTN volunteers and listeners have an invitation from the Tring School of Performing Arts on Friday 30th September between 3 and 5pm. There will be a performance and tea and biscuits. They are sending a minibus to collect and return us, which means we shall need to know if you are joining us, please. We will all need to meet at the Gatebridge Park Park and Ride at 2.15pm to park the vehicles and transfer to the bus. We may also be able to arrange pickup from home and transfer at the park. Please let our secretary Audrey know if you would like to come. There are a few places left. Telephone 217918. Petrol station fuel thefts up 46% locally. Hertfordshire police have recorded a 46% increase in petrol and diesel thefts over the last two years, an exclusive investigation has revealed. Motorists have faced spiralling prices at full court pumps over the same period, with critics slamming the government over its lack of action on the cost of living crisis. Howard Cox of the Fair Fuel UK Drivers Campaign Group said the response had been clueless and inept. 
Our exclusive Freedom of Information investigation asked police forces across England and Wales for statistics on reported fuel thefts from petrol stations between June 2020 and June 2022. The 25 forces that responded with comparable data for both months revealed a huge leap in numbers from 1,156 in June 2020 to 2,065 in June 2022. Only one did not record a rise. An average of 49 motorists drove off without paying every day during those 25 months, the figure shows. Figures from Hertfordshire Constabulary saw 139 people steal fuel from petrol stations in June this year, compared to 95 in the same month in 2020. From June 2020 to June 2022, <clears throat> 2,619 offences of people driving away without paying for fuel were recorded. Fuel prices have steadily risen over the last two years, but the sharpest increase happened after Russia invaded Ukraine in February this year. There have been calls for the government to take more action to help struggling drivers. Howard Cox of Fair Fuel UK said, a small but mounting number of, of the world's already highest tax drivers worn down by eye-watering pump prices and our clueless government's inept handling of the cost of living crisis are risking criminal records by not paying their fill-ups. He said, breaking the law could not be condoned, but said fair fuel duty should be slashed by 25 pence and a new regulator set up to oversee pump prices. He called on Prime Minister Liz Truss to take urgent action. He said the policy was a no-brainer and current prices were crippling low and middle income families. Gordon Barmer, Executive Director of the Petrol Retailers Association said, we reckon the problem could be nearly double that. Some police forces won't attend if the value is below £100. Many police forces have said they haven't got the manpower. He added, we represent 5,500 independent businesses. They're not BP, Shell or Tesco. Many of them are small business people. It's very difficult to get that money back. I've got one member who has got 17 sites. His current electricity bill is £800,000. He just received quotes for a new fixed price offer of £3.4 million. This is just another thing that has to be accounted for on top of the price of everything else. A government spokesperson said, through our £37 billion support package, we have introduced our biggest ever cut to fuel duty, saving the average UK car driver around £100. Van driver around £200 and HGV driver over £1,500. This is in addition to saving the typical employee over £330 a year through our national insurance cut and allowing people on universal credit to keep £1,000 more of what they earn. 
The Competition and Markets Authority has launched a market study into the supply of road fuel in the UK to consider what more can be done to ensure prices at the pumps are fair. If evidence emerges of collusion or similar wrongdoing, the regulator won't hesitate to take action. Broadband scam call numbers. Figures reveal that Hemel Hempstead received the most calls in Hertfordshire, with 237 calls over the last 13 months, according to the Information Commissioner's Office, ICO, data. Bionic, a business-to-business -business service, found that out of 108 UK locations studied, Hemel Hempstead ranked 23rd for scam calls received. Outside of London, Hertfordshire was found to be the area with the most money lost per scam in the UK, with the county reporting £72,000 in losses across 40 phone scams. The average loss to consumers per scam was £1,800 in Hertfordshire, double the national average cost of a successful scam at £724. The data showed that the most targeted postcode for scam calls in Hemel Hempstead was HP13. The study overall found that there were £1.8 million in losses from scams reported to Action Fraud over the past 13 months in the UK. Complaints about local councils. Figures have revealed that Hertfordshire County Council and Decorum Borough Council were mentioned in 127 complaints made to the Ombudsman about their actions last year. The Local Government and Social Care Ombudsman is responsible for investigating wrongdoing in local public services. If it finds that the Council has acted unfairly or unjustly, the Ombudsman will offer recommendations on how to make things right. According to figures from the body, there were 110 complaints or inquiries made about Hertfordshire County Council and 17 made, by, made about Decorum Borough Council in the year to March. After investigation, the Ombudsman found the Hertfordshire Council to have acted unjustly on 31 occasions last year and Decorum did so on two. While decorum saw issues around planning and development as its most common reason for complaint, for people going to the Ombudsman in Hertfordshire, it was for issues related to education and children's services, with 51 inquiries made. Michael King, the Local Government and Social Care Ombudsman, said that one complaint can have immense power to change things for the better. He explained, the vast majority of councils agree to the recommendations we make and see them as common sense ways of providing better services for people in their area. Across England, councils have found to have acted on unjustly on 2,678 occasions, a 27% increase from 2,104 the year before. He said that while councils act on nearly every recommendation they are given, uptake can be slow, with one in five failing 
to take them on within the time frame set by the Ombudsman. Nationally, the number of complaints rose compared to last year with 15,826 in the year to March, up 25% from 11,830 last year, but did not quite reach the 17,019 recorded in 2019-20. to 20. Problems with education and children's services were the most common reason to get in touch with the organisation, with 3,145 complaints and inquiries, while there were more than 2,000 each for planning and development, adult social care and housing. Healthwatch England, a health and social care champion, said they were particularly concerned about the national rise in complaints about adult social care, suggested that financial pressure may be to blame. Jacob Lant, the charity's head of policy, said, At the heart of every one of these complaints is someone who relies on social care to help them live their lives. And by speaking up, these people and their carers have tried to send a message about how services are not meeting their needs. The number of issues raised about the sector rose from 1,670 in 2020-21 to 2,139 in the year to March, including 30 in Hertfordshire. The Local Government Association, meanwhile, praised councils for the work they are doing in tricky circumstances. Peter Fleming, chairman of the organisation's Improvement and Innovation Board, said, Councils continue to deliver the crucial services that communities rely on, while also managing the ongoing cost of living crisis and the challenges it brings to their areas. It is positive that in 99.7% of cases... Councils are implementing recommendations made, showing that local authorities are determined to make sure these issues do not occur again. Parents count the pennies as new school year begins. <clears throat> Any parent knows that sending children back to school in nice new uniforms alongside other educational costs hits the family budget hard. As the new school year kicks off, Money Supermarket reveals two-thirds of Brits are already struggling with school costs amid the ongoing cost-of-living crisis. British children, on average, get their first mobile phone when they're 10 years and 3 months old, new research from Money Supermarket has found. Children are receiving their mobile phones in the final year of primary school in the run-up to joining secondary school, just short of age 11, when online safety experts, Internet Matters, recommend a child could receive their own phone. Many children are significantly younger, with the research revealing that around 215,556 children under the age of 8 have a mobile phone, including about 16,000 3- to 4-year-olds. In the West Midlands, 13% of five to six-year-olds have a mobile phone. When it comes to handsets, most parents buy their children a brand new Android, 30%, percent 
with 16% opting for a brand new iPhone. Only in Northern Ireland are parents more likely to splash out on a brand new iPhone over a brand new Android model. 38% versus 13%. Nearly a quarter, 24%, of children receive a hand-me-down handset for their first phone. The cost of buying a mobile phone for starting secondary school averages £206.90 for contract and £205.30 for pay-as-you-go handsets. On top of this, parents spend an average of £204.60 on a laptop, with the average cost of a tablet coming in even higher at £236.60. Amid escalating cost of living crisis, 67% of parents are finding paying for their child starting school more difficult, rising to 87% in Scotland. Brits are frequently getting in debt to pay for their children's laptop, tablet and mobile phone handset. Most paid with the credit card, 24%, while around 12% turned to a buy now, pay later scheme and 10% borrowed from friends or family to cover the costs of tech necessary for starting secondary school. A total of 37% of parents say their child looks after their things, but 8% of children have damaged more than four phones beyond repair, equivalent to about 3,608,573 handsets. A total of 57% of children have lost a mobile phone, with 26% having lost three or more. Most concerningly, 53% of youngsters have had a phone stolen, with 13% losing more than three to theft. Despite this, more than half, 51% of parents, do not purchase phone insurance for their children's phones, with 30% of those who opt not to purchase insurance claiming it's too expensive. When it comes to mobile phones, the handset is just the start, with 46% of children exceeding their data limit either all or some of the time. Around 35% of children average between 4 and 5 gigabytes of data allowance per month, equivalent to around 9 hours of YouTube or less than 2 hours of social media a day per month. Money supermarket money expert Joan Thornhill said, getting a child ready for secondary school is expensive, especially at the moment. You want your kids to have the kit they need and there are ways to help manage the cost. With an average of three SIM cards per household, a family mobile plan could make financial sense for many. If you're using a credit card to pay for things like laptops and mobile phones, check out what 0% interest and cashback cards are available. International Trade Support for Businesses Businesses in Decorum can access international trade support to help expand exports across the world. Hertfordshire Chamber of Commerce has worked with Decorum Borough Council to allow local businesses to increase their global exports. 
Chief Executive Officer at the Chamber, Breege Leahy, said more businesses are looking to expand into overseas trading and we want to be sure they receive the best possible advice and guidance to avoid some of the potential pitfalls. Decorum businesses can put their questions to Tom Duke, Deputy Trade Commissioner for China, at an event in the Gamma Healthcare Maylands building on September 27th. Tom will talk about the current situation in China and the latest trading opportunities in the country. Minister Plenipotentiary for Economic and Commercial Affairs and Head of the Commercial Office Embassy of Egypt, Tema Mustafa Mohamed Ali, will be the guest speaker at an online meeting about trading with Egypt on the same day. There will be a webinar on September 28th looking at Connects, a digital matchmaking platform that allows businesses to discover worldwide opportunities. The Chamber is offering free places to decorum businesses on its import and export training courses that start on October 7th. Breach said that if a company hasn't ventured beyond the UK previously, the training and the events will give them a flavour of what they need to do, as well as showing them the benefits to their operation. More information can be found at my.heartschamber.com forward slash events dot html. House prices beat regional average. Prices for houses increased by more than the regional average across Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted, Tring and the surrounding areas. House prices increased by 1.4%, more than the average for the east of England in decorum according to latest figures. The boost contributes to the longer term trend which has seen property prices in the area achieve 9% annual growth. The average decorum house price in July was £473,516. Land registry figures show a 1.4% increase on June. The picture was similar to that across the east of England, where prices increased 1.2% but decorum underperformed compared to the 2% rise for the UK as a whole. Across the UK, the average UK house price leapt by 15.5% in the year to July, marking the biggest increase in 19 years. But the increase in annual inflation was mainly because of a base effect. From the falls in prices seen this time last year, as a result of changes in the stamp duty holiday, the ONS said. Over the last year, the average sale price of property in decorum rose by £39,000, putting the area 41st among the east of England's 45 local authorities, with price data for annual growth. The best annual growth in the region was in Great Yarmouth, where property prices increased on average by 22.5% to £228,000. At the other end of the scale, properties in Hartsmere gained just 6.8% in value, giving an average price of £534,000. Nursery gets good rating. A nursery in Adifield was rated as good 
by Ofsted inspectors after a visit earlier this year. In the first routine inspection since the pandemic, Flowerpot's day nursery was rated in four areas. The quality of education, behaviour and attitudes, personal development and leadership and management. The nursery on 75 Adifield Road was rated as good in every area during its inspection. The staff were reported to be highly skilled at supporting children's progression through the nursery. The Ofsted report said they are sensitive to children's specific needs and carefully plan individual setting-in sessions. This supports children to adapt swiftly to their changing environment and make good progress. Nikki Harris, Nursery Operations Manager, said, I am really happy with this. We have had an inspection at both Adifield and Apsley, and they have both been inspected as good. <clears throat> couple to celebrate Diamond Wedding Anniversary. A couple who live near Buckingham and spent 13 years together in Tring are making arrangements to celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. Robert and Anne Keating met many years ago when they were both working in Belgium. 60 years ago, they tied the knot in Guernsey and honeymooned in Mallorca. Robert, who is known affectionately by his friends as Bob, was working for Whitbread at its brewery in Brussels when they met. Anne was also in the country working as an occupational therapist. On September 22nd, they will have spent 60 years together in matrimony. They are now both in their late 80s. Once Robert retired from his role as a production manager for the brewing company, he moved into the world of art and heritage. He spent 25 years volunteering at Waddesdon Manor, completing guided tours at the famous grounds. His role at Waddesdon evolved to include lectures on the history of the famous Buckinghamshire destination. Anne worked as an occupational therapist at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. During their long marriage, Bob and Anne lived and worked in Belgium for 22 years before returning to the UK. They have two daughters, both born in Belgium, two grandchildren and a great-grandson. One of their two daughters, Melanie Bristow, said, They show a total dedication to each other and to family and friends. My father is very old school, an absolute gentleman, and my mother is a real lady and the two of them have done an awful lot to support our family and friends. That is the biggest tribute. They've done an awful lot to keep everyone in touch with each other. As well as mainland Europe, the couple have lived in many spots in the three counties. They lived in Tring for 13 years before settling in their current home near Buckingham. Despite living in 15 different homes across their many decades together, Anne says that there is nowhere to equal the English countryside. A small celebration has been arranged for family and close friends, which they are looking forward to. They will be heading out for a lunch to toast 60 years of marriage. Both still enjoy swimming, watercolour painting, socialising with friends and holidaying in Guernsey.
fifth nursery opened. A new nursery in Leverstock Green has welcomed its first students after its doors opened last month. Old MacDonald's Day Nursery has bespoke rooms where children can play and learn. The nursery, based in, at Leverstock Green Primary School on Green Lane in Hemel Hempstead, is for children aged three months to five years. There is a jungle-themed soft play area with hideouts and beanbags, a wooden adventure playground and a barn-style space for learning and creative activities. The nursery has an artificial grass garden equipped with farmyard animal toys and trikes. Director Mandy Selwood said, We are a family-run business and will soon be celebrating being established for 25 years. I am passionate about childcare and providing the very best for the children and our valued team, some of whom have been with us for more than 20 years. Other locations are in Bovingdon, Chorley, Chorley Wood, Latimer and Chandler's Cross. Criminals target high-value gold and jewellery. Warnings given to residents in the lead-up to religious festivals this autumn. People are urged to be discreet when wearing high-value jewellery and gold in public, as police warn of more burglaries during this time of year. Hertfordshire Constabulary has warned of the increased thefts in previous years as, as families wear their gold and jewellery as part of the celebrations of Diwali and other religious holidays. Decorum residents are urged to ensure that their value items are securely stored in their home or kept somewhere else like a safety deposit box. Inspector Nicky Dean from Hertfordshire Constabulary's Crime Reduction Unit said some families who have large collections of valuable jewellery and in particular high-value gold have been targeted by criminals in the past. He explained, wearing lots of gold and jewels to weddings and religious festivals can draw unwanted attention from criminals, so we recommend keeping it hidden until you reach the venue. Inspector Dean added, Burglaries tend to target houses that are empty, particularly if they are not very well secured. Taking basic steps to secure your home can be enough to deter many burglars. Hertfordshire Constabulary advises residents to take these steps to reduce the risk of theft. Remove jewellery from houses. Keep jewellery and other valuables in a safety deposit box. Use a doorbell camera, internal camera and or monitored burglar alarm. Ensure doors are double locked at all times. Keep windows closed and locked. Install dusk to dawn external lighting. Use timer switches in your home to control internal lights, radios and a simulated TV. Keep keys and valuables secure and out of sight. Ensure boundary fences are secure with side gates locked. Take photos and keep a list of all valuable property in a safe place with make, model description and value information. Forensically mark items of value.
Obituaries and family announcements. Sylvia Evelyn Brown, aged 94. Contact Neville Funerals on 252 395 for further details. Avril West McCarthy, aged 92. Funeral at Garston Crematorium, 28th September, 11am. Jill Pauline Hood, formerly known as Drew, aged 80. Funeral at Hamden Chapel, Chilton's Crematorium, 28th September, 1515. Contact J. Worley, 253-465 for details. May they all rest in peace. Now to some lifestyle items. Don't just throw out unwanted, unwanted household items, upcycle them. As inflation continues to rise, many are seeking ways to save on household items and reduced waste at home. Confectionery experts at Wholesale Suites are offering their top tips when it comes to saving cash with everyday items. Although recycling is becoming more common in homes across the country, there are clever upcycling hacks which can save items like egg cartons and toilet roll tubes from being chucked away after one use. Recycling these items into handy and practical storage solutions, home decor items or cleaning materials give them a new lease of life while saving money. Catherine Haig from Wholesale Suites said, We want to find easy ways for those feeling the effects of price increases to save money in their homes. Taking something as simple as an old jam jar and finding new uses for it can help those pinching the pennies to look at the things in their homes differently. It's all about seeing those single-use products and thinking about how you can use them in a new practical way. Old t-shirts and towels. Avid cleaners can save lots of money on cleaning equipment by reusing old clothing items and towels as cleaning cloths. This is a super simple hack which takes no prep, just adding any old garments into your cleaning stash and use for mopping up spills, buffing your car or wiping down glass. Glass bottles. Create beautiful home lighting decor by reusing some of your favorite glass bottles. Wine, gin and rum bottles often work well for this. Simply wash out the bottle and feed in a string of battery-operated lights into the opening at the top. Mugs. Dated coffee and tea mugs can be upcycled to become a brand new decor piece. With a lick of paint, turn your old mug into a brand new planter for herbs and small succulents. Alternatively, use them as storage for makeup or hairbrushes. Candle holders. Candle holders are often very pretty and large enough to store a good amount of trinkets. Save money on essential work from home items such as pen pots by cleaning out your old candle holders. Alternatively, reuse your favourite candle holders by popping in a new candle. 
Small pillar candles and tea lights are much less expensive and can be used as refills. One way to get rid of stubborn wax is to pop the candle into your freezer for several hours. Once removed, the wax should pop out in one piece. It may need a bit of encouragement from a butter knife. Wash with warm water and soap to remove any residue and you have a brand new storage space. Freshen up your wardrobe at Clothes Swap. Decorum residents are invited to swap their old clothes and update their wardrobes at an event at the weekend. In partnership with local charity Open Door, Decorum Borough Council will host a sustainable clothes swap at Berkhamsted Civic Centre at 161 High Street on September 25th. Residents are asked to bring good quality items like clothing, shoes and bags to be exchanged for something new to them. The council says that clothes swaps are a great opportunity to get rid of all those clothes cluttering up homes whilst residents can treat themselves to a fresh look without contributing to climate change. Experts from Open Doors Make and Mend workshops will be hosting a free sewing demo to show people some simple fixes to extend the life of clothes. Locals are encouraged to bring up to 10 unwanted adult-sized items with them on the day to earn one credit for each. During the swap time, residents can exchange credits for items which are new to them. Starting at 11am, residents can drop off their items until noon. At 12.30pm, Open Door staff will run their workshop before the swap at 1pm. Residents are asked to bring bags to take their items home as carrier bags will not be provided. Any poor quality clothing or shoes, jewellery, underwear, nightwear, swimwear or babies' and children's clothes will not be accepted. Items remaining by the end of the day will be donated to charity. Mental health promoting actions suggested by the Journal of Health Promotion. Get closer to nature. Learn to understand and manage your feelings. Talk to someone you trust for support. Be aware of using drugs and or alcohol to cope with difficult feelings. Try to make the most of your money and get help with problem debts. Get more from your sleep. Be kind and help create a better world. Keep moving. Eat healthy food. Be curious and open-minded to new experiences. Plan things to look forward to. Cooper the cat needs a new home. This lovely looking lad is Cooper. He is an energetic and playful two-year-old. He is not shy around people, loves people company and is very inquisitive. Cooper can be very enthusiastic when playing, so needs to find a new home with someone who is happy to keep up with him. He loves chasing balls and dangly toys, running and jumping around. 
When he is not playing, he is happy to sit with you and keep you company, and quite happy to receive the odd head scratching or cuddles. He does enjoy a spot of sunbathing. He will need a secure garden to play in after his settling in period, away from Maine and through roads. Cooper would be happier in an older family environment as the only pet. Contact Cats Protection, Hemel Hempstead and Burke Hampstead branch on www.cats.org.uk forward slash decorum or call 0345 371-1851. This is the weekly article by Blaise Tapp called Life on Tap. The poverty in our nation is just unacceptable. There's no getting away from the fact that we've, we're living through the strangest of times. Although we're now out of the official period of mourning, there's no telling as to when the nation will get truly used to the fact that there's a new resident at Buckingham Palace. But if there's one thing us Brits are proficient at, it's pulling up our socks and getting on with it, which is just as well considering the winter we have ahead of us. The week and a half that the death of the Queen, quite rightly, dominated the airwaves and newsstands meant that the cost of living crisis was pushed to one side in the minds of many of us. However, we mustn't forget that while hundreds of thousands of people queued through the night to pay their respects or gathered around our flat screens to watch history unfold, there were significant numbers of our compatriots who were still going hungry and worrying about how to afford life, and it's only going to get worse. It's already been a tough year for millions of people who live on the breadline, but the real test comes now that the days are becoming noticeably colder and despite the welcome government intervention, very many will be reluctant to turn their heating on because the cost of doing so will soon be double what we were paying for this time last year. Making ends meet has long been a reality for a large chunk of the population, and the genuine fear is that generally high inflation means that the daily struggle will become that much bleaker for millions. Then there's the millions of us who, while not having to make the grim choice between eating or heating, would be cutting back on what they can spend for the first time that many can remember. As I write this, we've yet to hear how Liz Truss, remember her, and her shiny new cabinet will further respond to a crisis that some sages are saying could be even more severe than the pandemic, which paralysed normal life as recently as last year. While some people like me have breathed a sigh of relief that our energy bills won't be reaching four or five grand a year anytime soon, the likelihood is that whatever help comes from our political leaders, it won't magic away the poverty that blights the lives of so many. While there can be no doubting that the blame for the energy crisis can be laid at the door of Russia and its invasion of Ukraine, that's not the only reason why so many will be struggling this winter. It's a sad fact that, over the past decade, food banks have become as integral to some communities as butcher shops and greengrocers once were. For some, not being able to afford the basics has been a daily reality for years, irrespective of the actions of a ruthless despot. 
Some food banks have reported that demand for their essential service has increased throughout 2022. And we can only guess that this will continue as we approach Christmas and beyond. I don't know about you, but I'm ashamed that we live in a society where the gulf between the haves and have-nots is as wide as any time we can remember. We're regularly reminded that as a G7 nation, we sit at the top table and the past couple of weeks of reflection on the reign of our late Queen have served to inflate our sense of national pride. As a proud Brit, I'm ashamed that hard-working people, some who have more than one job, live on the brink. This isn't about people not working hard enough or not being able to manage budgets. This is about the rank unfairness of a society that long ago decided it was okay with families living in poverty. The past few weeks have shown us that we've much to be proud about. This isn't one of them. And now to the sports section. Most sporting fixtures were postponed this week as a mark of respect, so there are only a few articles. Horse racing was Queen Elizabeth's sporting love. It is no secret that Queen Elizabeth II loved horse racing and, in the British sporting calendar, the late Queen's presence at many race meetings was a comforting sight for racegoers. During her seven, year, during her seven decades on the throne, the Queen, who died this month, aged 96, had a great love of horses which extended to the equestrian world at large. Queen Elizabeth II began her love of everything equestrian at a very early age and in the austerity years following the Second World War. The lead given by her and the royal family was a crucial factor in the huge growth of horse racing. She was very much her father's daughter and shared the late King George VI's love of thoroughbred breeding and racing and inherited his breeding and racing stock in 1952. She also inherited his racing colours, scarlet and purple with gold braid and black cap, carried by many of her thoroughbreds throughout her seven decades long reign. Her horse, Oriole, bred by her father, came second by four lengths in the derby four days after her coronation, second to Sir Gordon Richards, ridden, ridden Pinza, and the Derby is the only classic that eluded her. The Queen was, an ever was ever present at Royal Ascot throughout her life, leading the Royal in her carriage at the famous meeting. And it was at this meet that she had her first victory with Choir Boy in 1953, a fortnight after her Derby disappointment. The Queen cut a relaxed figure whenever she returned to Royal Ascot and she could not contain her delight at a famous victory for her filly estimate, which won the 2013 Ascot Gold Cup. Her Majesty's love of horses extended to her trainers. After careful breeding, her mares gave birth at the Royal Stud at Sandringham. Her Majesty then sent handwritten letters each autumn to her trainers, telling them of the yearlings they were being sent. 
Apart from the Derby, Her Majesty had victories in all the major classics, including the 1,000 Guineas, the 2,000 Guineas, the Oaks and the St Ledger, all won by the Royal Colours. In all, the Queen witnessed 23 winners in her colours. Racing in Britain is the second most popular spectator sport, attracting around 6 million racegoers last year, and is in no small part due to the Queen's dedication to the sport. Although King Charles III will inherit the royal colours from his mother, it seems unlikely that he will give as much dedication to the sport that Queen Elizabeth gave. Basketball. Storm win in Hood's Thriller. Hemel Storm won a pulsating Kit King trophy clash at home to Nottingham Hoods on Sunday, prevailing 105 to 95. Storm were keen to start scoring as they did the previous week against USA Select, building up a game-high lead of 11 points, which was immediately answered by the Hoods, applying pressure to the player carrying the ball. This quarter saw players like Seth Swalve, Taylor Johnson and Aaron Ray shoot with precision to earn a 35-31 lead. It was a slow start to the second quarter for Storm, who gave away some avoidable fouls which turned the game in Hood's favour 35-36. With one minute 39 seconds gone. It was a tight quarter which could have gone either way, but the teams went into the locker room with Storm leading 52-50. Storm needed to put a stamp on the game as quick as they could after half-time. But Hoods were continuously scoring, especially through guard Seth Hall, who registered, registered 25 points. Storm were lifted by the roar of the sold-out Storm Dome, spurring them on to a potential victory and went into the last quarter leading 77-75. The last quarter saw a great deal of action, with both teams approaching it with the mentality to take the victory. However, a three-pointer from Hood's sharpshooter, Jode Campbell, forced Storm coach Drew Spinks into a vital timeout to lift the team to hopefully boost the atmosphere in the already electric Storm Dome. A three-pointer this time from Sam Newman turned the tables and put Storm in the lead with 5.44 left to play. This was quickly responded to by an impressive dunk from Diogo, Diogo Soares. The atmosphere was tangible and the players definitely felt it boosting Storm's performance, which therefore limited Hood's joy inside and outside the three-point arc, which they showed for three quarters. Johnson sent the crowd into pandemonium with a made three-pointer, putting Storm in the lead by seven. Then Ray scored a powerful dunk with 13 seconds left, and Newman made sure the victory was confirmed with a three-pointer to end the game with a double-digit lead. Storm won 105-95, to with both teams showing great quality basketball. Top scorers, Taylor Johnson with 29, Sam Newman, 28, Aaron Ray, 27. In football, Tudors are too good for Royston in FA Cup. 
Hemel Hempstead progressed to the third qualifying round of the FA Cup with a 3-0 win at home to Royston on Saturday. While the Tudors were worthy winners, the final scoreline was a tad harsh on the visitors who contributed to an entertaining game with both keepers making saves at crucial times. Royston keeper Dimitrios Kyriazis made a couple of decent saves in the early moments but he was finally beaten on the half-hour mark when Josh, Josh Castiglione powered into the box on the right-hand side, evading several tackles before unselfishly laying the ball across to Oga Obi, who tucked the ball into the bottom corner. The game was settled in the second half when Brooklyn Ilunga Brought down, was brought down as he cut into the box and Jordan Greenidge dispatched the penalty. Elunga got the goal he deserved in injury time with a superb strike, cutting inside and unleashing a powerful drive to put the game to bed. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are sunrise at 648 and sunset at 19.03, giving 12 hours and 17 minutes of daylight. If you would like to give us any feedback, or you have a news story or know of an event taking place soon that you think would be suitable for our listeners, please get in touch by email to secretary at dtnhemel.org.uk or call and leave a message on telephone number 01442-927-123. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill... Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. If you have a Google Home, say, hey Google, talk to talking newspaper, then play decorum talking newspaper. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music there is the amenities section that gives details of various group and contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up carefully, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail postbox. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all our readers, the editor and our sound technician. Mm-hmm.